Hey, happy Easter, everyone. Uh, So glad to be celebrating this with you. And uh, what a day it is. We've had some great worship. And I'm praying as you're sitting there and you're with your families or individually that that just you're um, hearing and you're listening uh, to the words and, and what this means for us today. We have so much to be thankful for. And I know uh, that we're under some very difficult times right now. But I'll tell you what, Easter for me and knowing that there's hope even in tragedy, even in, in difficult circumstances, um, we have this hope that Jesus conquered the grave. And, and my prayer for you today is that as we just um, listen to God's word and as you're sitting there, um, that, that this hope would just infiltrate your heart today and uh, that we would continue to pray for our country, uh, individuals uh, that are just struggling to, to get through this virus. Um, we want to bring you hope today that uh, Jesus Christ, I believe, has the answer for our world today. And I want you just to think for a moment. And maybe you're here and, and never you, maybe never you really put too much thought into it before. Maybe you're, you're not a, a church-going person. Maybe someone just invited you to say, hey, check out, check this out. Uh, check out this church service online. And so maybe you're, you're, you're watching today and, and you're just not sure about church or Jesus or this whole resurrection thing. I, let me first say, I am so glad that you're watching. Thank you for, for tuning in. And, and my prayer for you today is that, um, you would just listen to some of the things that are going to be said today and that they would just speak to you today. And so my question today is, what if the resurrection of Jesus is actually true? What, if it, let's, just, let's just put everything else aside and let's just say, what, what if the resurrection is true today? And for those of you that are followers of Jesus, this is the biggest day of the year for us as we celebrate his resurrection. For some of you, maybe you've never really put a whole lot of thought into it. But if the resurrection is true, it changes everything. And that's what I want to talk about today. As a child, you know, uh, I went to church. I went to church with my family. And, you know, we went to church on Easter Sunday. And, uh, you know, we we celebrated all the traditions around uh, surrounding Easter. We did, uh, you know, the Easter bunny. We colored eggs. My uh, my parents hid our Easter baskets. We went to, we went to church uh, on Easter Sunday. My parents would dress us up. Man, I, I as a little boy, they they have pictures of me in, a, in like a trench coat. And, and my little fedora. I mean, I was styling. I, I was rocking it. My sisters were in their Easter dresses. We, we went all out um, uh, on Easter. And so we, we did all the traditional stuff. And as, uh, you know, as we got older, we, we still wanted our parents to hide our Easter baskets. And um, so as you can imagine, uh, hiding the Easter baskets would have to get harder and harder and harder as, as we got older. And my children are 23, 21, and 18. And they still want us to hide uh, their Easter baskets. Now, me growing up, I have two sisters. I have a twin sister, and I have one that's two and a half years older uh, than me. And I was the typical obnoxious brother that always found their Easter baskets. I mean, that, that really was not only found mine, but I wanted to find theirs just to be the obnoxious brother, just to say, I found your Easter basket, na, 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 na. And so, uh, a- as you can tell, that would just irritate my sisters uh, to no end. And, um, and so my parents, 
uh, wanted to teach me a lesson about this. And so uh, my parents, <laughs> one year, hid my Easter basket in this most impossible place that that I just they just knew it would take me forever to find it. And what they did is they hid my Easter basket in one of the drawers of my desk. So I wasn't looking for an Easter basket. Obviously, that's what I was looking for. So I was looking for it in a, in a, a place that you could fit a basket. I would never think in my wildest imagination that they would take all my Easter stuff and stick it in, in my drawer. So this is what happened. What we would do is an Easter morning we'd wake up. We would look for our baskets, and uh, that year my sisters found their baskets, and, um, and, and I didn't find it. They found it first because I was too busy trying to find mine because I was so frustrated because it took so long. And then we would go to church. Well, my parents, um, I didn't find my basket before church, so my sisters were enjoying it. Then we got ready to go to church, and um, I was so mad. that. And they said, no, we're, we're not going to tell you where it is. Now you have to go to church. Let's just say that was one of the worst church experiences ever in my life because all I was thinking about was my Easter basket. And, and so um, we, we got home and, I, you know, and I'm still looking for it. In fact, I'm still in therapy today over that of my parents being so mean of, of uh, not telling me where my Easter basket was, but I deserved it. Finally, I'm looking in my room. And I'm looking under my desk, and the only reason I found my Easter basket is I saw the Easter grass coming out from under the desk from the drawer. And so I opened the drawer, and there was all my Easter stuff. And finally, two weeks later, I found my Easter basket. No, I found it finally that day sometime in the afternoon. And let's just say from that moment on, I never gave away the hiding place of my sister's uh, baskets. And so my parents taught me a huge lesson on that, on that certain Easter. But aside from all their traditions, and I'm not saying that, that any of those are bad within themselves, I want us to look at why we celebrate Easter. And, and what if the resurrection were true? And, and if, if, if you're not sure and you don't believe, I, I want to just give you some things to think about today. If you don't believe in the resurrection, um, I, I want to help you to see why we celebrate the resurrection, why we see the resurrection is, is so important and why it changes everything. And so I want you to understand that the resurrection gives us hope in an uncertain world. This is, this is so foundational for us to understand that the resurrection gives us hope in an uncertain world. And boy, we need that hope today. In our world that we're living in today, we need some, uh, a solid foundation that we can put our hope in because through this corona uh, pandemic that we've gone through, it's like our lives have changed so quickly over just a matter of weeks. And, and we see how quickly our world can change. And, and, if, and if our faith and our hope is not in something solid, then, then we can just see how quickly our worlds can become rocked. And, and I want to show you today that the resurrection is a firm foundation that we can put our hope in, even when we see things around us that change so quickly. And I want you to know that it's okay to doubt. And what, when I, w- I would say to those who doubt, I would just say, check it out yourself. I remember I was listening to a debate of a well-known Christian apologist, and he was debating an atheist. And what was really interesting about this debate is that the atheist shared a very personal story of when he was young 
and why he kind of started going down the track of just not even believing in God. And he was with his dad and they were hunting one day as a little boy. And he just asked his dad this question, dad, dad, is, is God real? And, and what this man said is his dad turned to him and he says, you should never, ever ask those questions. Don't ever ask me that question again. And it basically just shut him down from asking any questions or any doubting questions. And it was heart-wrenching for me to watch this man who, who, who just doesn't believe in God and, and how his life just kind of, his trajectory of his life just turned into this, I, I don't believe in God. And it started with his father not allowing him to ask questions. And, and I want you to know it's okay to ask questions um, and to try to seek answers. The Bible also shares a story. And this is what I love about the Bible, because it doesn't hide um, all the flaws in people's lives. It, it doesn't try to give you a sanitized view of people and that everything was perfect in their lives. The Bible shares a story about someone who didn't believe, who, who didn't believe in Jesus' resurrection from the dead at first. And, and at times we all have doubts. And, and I heard this, this, this question, it's kind of funny, but I heard this question about cows. I know this sounds crazy, but about cows. And when someone shared this with me, I just did not believe it. I said, there's absolutely no way that this is true about cows. And this is what they said. They said, do you believe that cows have regional accents? Do you believe that cows have regional? I said, there is absolutely no way that is true. But in fact, it's true. Cows, they've discovered that cows actually have regional accents. And so um, if you have a, a cow that lives in New York, um, this is basically how they sound. They, they, say, they say something like this, how you mooing? How you mooing? <laughs> okay. And uh, if you're a cow from the South, it's how y'all mooing? Okay, I know. Okay, I'm sorry. That was terrible. I apologize. All the worship team's cracking up right now in the background. I'm sorry about that. But still, it's true. Cows do have these regional accents. Now, now Thomas was one of these disciples that just couldn't believe that Jesus rose from the dead. Now, the other disciples are telling him, hey, it's true, it's true, it's true. And, and he struggled with this. He, he really struggled with this, with this doubt. And I want to read for you, John, chapter 20, because it, it gives us the story behind Thomas and his, and his doubt and how Christ helped him in his, his doubt. And I, I want you to know this morning that, that, that Jesus wants to help us in times of doubt, in times that we struggle with. And so let me, let me read this for you in John 20, verses 24 through 29. It, it says, one of the 12 disciples, Thomas, nicknamed the, the twin, was not with the others when Jesus came. And they told him, we have seen the Lord. So all the others are saying, hey, we've seen the Lord, but he hadn't. But he replied, I won't believe it unless I see the nail wounds in his hands and, and put my fingers into them and place my hands into the wounds in his side. And eight days later, the disciples were together again. And this time Thomas was with them. The doors were locked, but suddenly, as, and suddenly, as before, Jesus was standing among them. And he said, peace be with you, he said. Then he said to Thomas, put your fingers here and look at my hands and put your hands into my wound in my side. And don't be faithless any longer. Believe. Jesus said, Thomas, you can believe now. And here's what Thomas said. Thomas said, 
my Lord and my God. He put his trust. He believed in Jesus as his Lord and his Savior and that Jesus was God. And Thomas exclaimed this. This was Thomas's moment. This was his aha moment. But listen to what Jesus says to Thomas. This is important because this is for you and I here today. This is very important. He said, listen, Thomas, you believe because you've seen me. But he said, blessed are those who believe without seeing me. Now, can we believe in the resurrection without actually seeing Jesus and touching the scars in his hands and his side? Can we still believe and I believe the answer is a resounding yes. And, and that's, what I, that's why I believe Easter is so important because we can still believe and, and we can look at the evidence that surrounds the resurrection and believe. I, I say this a lot to our church that you don't have to check your brains at the door to be a follower of Jesus Christ. There's overwhelming evidence that shows that Jesus is indeed in heaven and did conquer the grave. And so Thomas doubted, and, and if we're honest with ourselves, we all have, have, have doubts at time. I like what John Drummond says. He said, he said, Christ never failed to distinguish between doubt and unbelief. Doubt is can't believe. Unbelief is won't believe. Doubt is honest. Unbelief is obstinacy. Doubt is looking for the light. Unbelief is being content with darkness. Oswald Chambers put it another way when he, he said this. He said, doubt is not always a sign a man is wrong. It may be a sign that he's thinking. See, it's one thing to have unbelief and not even try to discover if Jesus is the truth. But it's another thing to seek out the answer. And that would be my prayer for you, for those of you who maybe have doubts, that you would seek out the answer. Many, many never get to the point to try to seek out the answer for themselves. They'll simply maybe hear something or someone say something on social media or YouTube or listen to someone that got burned by the church. And then they just brush this broad stroke about Christianity and just say it's all false or it's phony. Um, but I want us to come back to the reality of who Jesus is. And I, I'm not saying that Christians always represent Christ in the right manner, um, they make mistakes like anyone else. But I want you to see it doesn't change who Jesus is. And I want us to come back to Jesus and who he is and what he said about himself. And so the question remains, what if the resurrection is true? I want you to notice something about Thomas. He didn't give up. He didn't give up. He, he was still with the disciples. He didn't give up even though he struggled to believe. And so Jesus comes to Thomas to show him his wounds and Thomas believes in Jesus by calling him Lord and my God. And so Jesus tells him that he is blessed because he saw him. He saw Jesus. He saw Jesus after the resurrection. But Jesus tells Thomas, blessed are those who believe who haven't seen me. And so is there evidence for us to believe in Jesus without physically seeing him? Can, can we believe, can we still have a faith and believe without actually seeing Jesus like Thomas did? Can we have faith without any evidence? Well, I want to show you today that there is evidence of Jesus and his resurrection. And that, in fact, it's overwhelming. And let me give you some 
things. Let me give you some evidence that proves that the resurrection is not some hoax or some maybe made up story. So let, let me give you some things why, why I see the resurrection as true and why I'm a follower of Jesus and why I believe in Jesus and why at the age of 16, I committed my life to Jesus and believed in him as God and believed that Jesus rose from the dead and believed that Jesus died for my sins. And I made it personal and it changed my life. That doesn't mean that, uh, that, that I don't struggle with doubt at times, but there was a point in my life that I believed just like when Jesus said to Thomas, believe, and I believed and it changed my life. It just wasn't some religion or just going to church every week or, or something that my parents forced me into. I came to that choice on my own to believe that Jesus is indeed who he says he, he is. Here, here, let me just give you just a couple evidence of, of, of why the resurrection is true. I want you to notice that the early disciples were willing to die for the fact that Jesus rose from the grave. This, this is so important for us to understand. And, and why were they willing to give their lives uh, for the fact of the resurrection? It's because they witnessed the resurrection. When the persecution started, you would think that someone, one of the disciples would say, hey, wait a minute, this was fun for a while. I'm glad we could just, uh, you know, perpetrate this, uh, this lie. This was fun for a time, but I'm not going to give my life for this, this lie. And most of the early disciples gave their lives for the fact of the resurrection. I like, I like the story of, of Chuck Colson. Some of you that may not know who Chuck Colson is. In 1974, Chuck Colson, he was a former top aide to President Nixon. And he voluntarily pleaded guilty to obstruction of justice on a Watergate-related charge. And what he ended up doing is serving, he served seven months in Alabama's uh, Maxwell Prison. And right before he uh, served his time in jail, he became a follower of Jesus. He turned his whole life over to Christ. And what happened is when Chuck emerged from prison, when he came out of prison, he just had a whole new lease on, on life. And what he began to do was he began to mobilize the church and, and Christians to minister to those who were in prison for those who were in jail. And he founded a wonderful ministry called Prison Fellowship in 1976. One of the ministries that came out of Prison Fellowship is called Angel Tree, and we, um, we are engaged in that, and we support that as a church uh, uh, every, every Christmas, around Christmas time. And what Prison Fellowship does is it helps parents um, who are incarcerated to get gifts to their children during that time of, of the year. And they're all about rec reconciling the parent to the child and making that relationship better. And we participate that in that at, as a church every, at Christmas time. And so it's a wonderful ministry that, that Chuck Holson started as he came out of uh, his time in prison. But Chuck Holson gives this great quote about why he believes the resurrection is true. And I want to quote this. I want to quote what he says. He says, I know the resurrection is a fact and Watergate proved it to me. How? How did, how did it prove it to me? He said, because 12 men testified that they had been raised from the dead and they proclaimed that truth for 40 years, never once denying it. Everyone was beaten, tortured, stoned, and put in prison. They would have not endured it that if, weren't, if it weren't true. 
Watergate embroiled 12 of the most powerful men in the world, and they couldn't keep alive for three weeks. He said, you're telling me 12 apostles could keep alive for 40 years? Absolutely impossible. And that's why Chuck believes in the resurrection. I want you to listen to what the Apostle Paul says. The Apostle Paul in 1 Corinthians 15, 14 says, And if Christ had not been raised, our preaching is useless, and so is your faith. Everything hinges on the resurrection. The Apostle Paul understood this. He said, listen, I would not be preaching. I wouldn't be putting my life on the line if I had not seen the risen Savior. And he goes, if the resurrection isn't true, then your faith is futile. Luke Johnson, a New Testament scholar from Emory University, in his book, The Real Jesus, says, some sort of powerful, transformative experience is required to generate the sort of movement earliest Christianity was. Something happened to change their world around them. And it was the resurrection. That's why the early church could face persecution. That's why so many people... Uh, put put their lives down on the line because they believed in the resurrection. N.T. Wright, an eminent British scholar in his book, uh, The New Unimproved Jesus, concluded, that is why as a historian, I cannot explain the rise of early Christianity unless Jesus rose again, leaving an empty tomb behind him. Let me just give you some more evidence of the the resurrection. And, And obviously we see this within the Apostles giving their lives for Jesus, for the fact of the resurrection that they saw Jesus. But also the eyewitness testimony from women. This is really an interesting thing that we see in the Bible, that the Bible included the eyewitness testimonies of of them seeing the empty tomb and that Jesus had risen. Why is this so important? Why is it so compelling in giving credence to the resurrection? Well, I want you to understand that in that society, A woman's testimony was always considered subject or suspect in a court of law. There is actually an account of a Greek philosopher who lived in the second century named Celsus. He was very anti-Christian and he would argue against the belief in Christianity. And one of the big arguments was the testimony of women used in the Bible for the resurrection. And many who read the writings of Celsus actually agreed with him. That because of the testimony of women, then the, uh, the testimony of the resurrection could be, could be faulty. But why is this so important to the credibility of the resurrection story of the testimony of women? Well, if this type of thinking was true about women in that time, why in the world would the disciples make this up? If you wanted people to believe a story, you would not use so-called unreliable witnesses. The only reason for this is that the resurrection is indeed true. I want you to see also that there was actually eyewitnesses account from hundreds of people that witnessed it. Once again, Paul in 1 Corinthians 15, 7 and 8 says says this. And after that, he appeared to more than 500 of the brothers and sisters at the same time, most of whom are still living and some who have fallen asleep. So Paul's saying, listen, you want go, go ask them. You, you can go ask them. Some of them are still living today, and you can ask them if they've seen the, the risen Christ. He said, then he appeared to James, and then to all the apostles. Paul tells his readers, if you don't believe me, you can ask 500 other people, and most of them are still alive when Paul wrote that. But here's one, here's an evidence that just really intrigues me. 
It's about James. And James uh, was the brother of Jesus, and he believed in the resurrection. James gave his life for the fact of the resurrection. James was the brother of Jesus. James' belief in Jesus. In fact, James wrote a book. There's a book in the Bible called, called the book of James. Um, James' belief in Jesus' resurrection, for me, is one of the most significant pieces of evidence that the resurrection is true. How many of you have brothers? Now, if you have a brother, what would it take to convince you that your brother was God and be willing to actually die for that belief? I don't think many of you, right? Uh, Jesus' resurrection gives us hope for that future. And I want you to see the evidence is just overwhelming. And that's the reason for the hope that the early disciples and apostles had because they saw the risen Savior. That's why they could endure what they endured. That's why they could endure persecution. It was because of the resurrection. And so what would it take to convince you that the resurrection is true with all this evidence, with with, with what we see from the early church and what they had to endure I want you to know that the resurrection is true and it changes everything. But I want you to see the words of Jesus. He says, he said to Thomas, Thomas, believe. And when you believe, it changes everything. All things are possible to those who believe. That's what changes your life. Jesus came to Thomas and he shows him his scars. And and he believed uh, that he was the savior. And I want you to realize that Jesus' scars a reminder that he took our brokenness and our sin upon him and that the resurrection makes all things new. So I want you to see this. What we see in our world today is we see brokenness, we see evil, and that's the result of man's sin. That's why we see disease. That's why we see viruses. That's why we see the brokenness in our world today. What Jesus does is he comes into our world as man, fully man, fully God, and he takes on our brokenness. He takes on our sin upon his back when he went to the cross. But here, that's not the end of the story. The resurrection completes that because what the resurrection shows us is death no longer has its grip on us. Sin, disease, sickness, corona, whatever it may be, no longer has its hold on us because Jesus conquered the grave through his resurrection. So what what this shows us is that the resurrection changes everything. It gives us a hope that even though we see decay in our world today, that one day God is going to restore all those things. And that's what the resurrection shows us, that God restores all things. The sadness of death and the brokenness of death and the hopelessness that it, it brings us, because let, let's be honest, every single one of us are going to die one day. I just Googled it this morning. The mortality rate in the United States is 100%. We're all going to die. But here's the thing I want you to see. Jesus conquered death for you and I. The result of sin is death. But Jesus conquered it for you and I. That's why Jesus could say to his disciples and give them hope. John records it for us in John 16, 33. Jesus says, listen, I've told you these things so that in me you may have peace. And I want to ask you a question this morning. Do you have peace? Are you in turmoil? Are are you sure about your future? Jesus came to give us peace. And this is the reason why. He said, in this world, you will have trouble. Can I get an amen?
we will have trouble in this world. We're having trouble right now in our world today. And he said, in this world, you have trouble, but, but this is the reason why we can trust Christ. Jesus said, take heart. Take heart. I've overcome the world. Jesus overcame the destitution that this world gives us. He overcame it through his resurrection. So Jesus overcomes our scars for us and he gives us a wonderful future. Now, here's the picture of what we have to look forward to. And it's a picture that John received when he was exiled to the island of Patmos because of his faith in in Jesus. And the book of Revelation shows us a glimpse of what our future will look like and what the future will look like. And he gives John this picture of how God restores all things, all the things that were broken from sin and destitution that we see from sin, God restores it all over again. And we can see, um, we can see this in Revelation chapter 21. And let me read this for you. Here's the picture that John gets. And I, and I hope this encourages you this morning. John says, I saw a holy city, a new Jerusalem coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride beautifully dressed as her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, look, look, God's dwelling place is now among the people and he will dwell with them and he will be his people and they will and they will be his people and God himself will be with them and be their God. And listen to what verse four says. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes. There will be no more death. There'll be no more mourning or crying or pain for the old order of things has passed away. We no longer have to see disease, sickness, cancer, corona. We will no longer see that God restores all things. Listen, the way that you prepare your heart and your life to have this type of future is by putting your faith in Christ Jesus and what he accomplished for you. The only way that we can come to heaven and the only way that we can have this bright future is by putting our trust in the one who overcame for us. I can't do it in my own strength, and my own goodness, because I fall short. I'm a sinner who's fallen short of God's perfection. But Jesus came to do it for us and to appease the righteousness of God. And by you putting your hope and your faith in Christ Jesus and believing in him that he is God, that he is Lord, that he died for your sins, this is your hope. This is your future. And the reason why the early disciples and the apostles could make it is for this very reason. Their hope wasn't in this world. It was in the one who conquered this world for them. And I want to pray for you. And if you're you're struggling today or you're lacking in hope or your hope is wavering or you're feeling overwhelmed right now, if you're discouraged, I want you to put your hope in Christ Jesus. And here's the thing. There is nothing in this world that can take away your future hope in Christ Jesus. That's why Jesus said, listen, take heart. I've overcome the world. And so I want to pray for you. You might be, you might be watching today and you say, Pastor Barden, I, I've never trusted Christ with my life. I'm going to pray with you. And if you pray this prayer and and you put your trust in Christ Jesus, I I want you to go to our website, to our, our, our contact tab and, And just fill that out. There's a section that you can fill out that says that you've made a commitment to Christ. And we want to help you in your walk with Jesus. 
and, uh, and help you in your journey with Christ. And, and Jesus changes everything for us. He gives us a different future. And I'm not saying that, that in this world that, that Jesus takes us out of all the problems in this world. He doesn't, but he walks with us through it now. And Jesus says in John 16, 33, that as we walk through this turbulent earth, he will give us his peace. And if you don't have that peace, you will never find it in this world. Because guess what? There's going to be another thing that will come down in the future and another thing to, 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 to rock our world. But Jesus is a solid foundation and he conquered our world through the resurrection. So I want you to know that there's hope today and the hope can be yours as you put your hope in Christ Jesus. So let me pray for you and... Um, and we're going we're gonna to end in song and just celebrate uh, Jesus' resurrection. And I pray that the words that we sing in the closing song would minister to you. And so pray with me and, and let's ask Jesus to help us. And if, if you're praying this prayer for the first time, God bless you. And as you put your hope in Christ Jesus as your Lord and Savior. Father God, we come before you and we thank you for what Easter means that even though we see devastation in this world because of the effects of sin, Lord, our hope is in the one who overcame this world and we see the evidence. And I pray for anyone who's, who's watching today that, that Lord is struggling and they feel hopeless about their future and they feel overwhelmed. My prayer is that they would put their hope in you, that they would put their trust in Christ Jesus as their Lord and their Savior and the one that conquered for them. I thank you that our future is hopeful and bright in Christ Jesus. We thank you, Jesus, that you've done everything for us. And so I pray, God, that, that you would just, um, just, just speak to our hearts this morning. Speak to our hearts of who you are and how you conquered sin and death for us. And so we thank you, Lord. And I just pray for those that for the first time are putting their trust and their hope and their belief in you, God. Lord, I pray that you would just fill them with your Holy Spirit as they put their trust in you, God. And we thank you for that new life in you, Jesus, that you do change everything and that you're still changing lives today as you were 2,000 years ago. And we're so thankful for that. So we love you, Jesus. We thank you for the hope that we have in you and for the resurrection and for the empty tomb. And we just ask all these things in your precious, wonderful name. Amen. Amen. God bless you as you sing.